We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. So the real question is, why would a man swim eight miles home across his neighbor's pools? I don't think I could swim eight miles. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up today, Cheever's 1964 classic, The Swimmer. And let's talk about memory and maybe a little bit of... uh, Dude, where's my family? Ah, I see what you did there. (laughs) If you are new here to the Codex Cantina, welcome. We approach literature in a conversational and fun way. My name is Una. And I am Crypto. Now, for time immemorial, our authors have tried to reach us in innovative and new ways. And a lot of times there's like those tropes in terms of, you know, how you represent the wealthy and the poor and the battle between class divide. Well, Cheever comes along and is kind of the spokesperson, the the hero of the suburbans, the suburbanite warrior, if you will, even earning him the name the Chekhov of the suburbs. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I've never really read a story like this before that really addressed what it's like to grow up in America suburban times, right? It is kind of, I think, unique for its perspective. Well, it's one of those things, too, that I think you can have good discussions on this, on the haves and the have-nots. Like, what what is that middle of the road? Uh, I, we say middle of the road, but, I mean, like any, you know, discussion, there's a wide range when we talk about middle class or even suburbanites. Because, I mean, all these people having pools, the only people in my neighborhood that have pools are the ones that need to be drained on Sunday. Otherwise, your grass is going to have a dead spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, I think that that's one thing that the story does address is the big theme of not necessarily the haves and the have-nots in suburban America, but how variety is a key to the suburbanites of America, right? Well, I would say it even kind of reminds me a little bit of, remember that story that we read in Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, I think it was called, where memory was a thing that kind of impacted our present, like in what's reality and that sort of thing. Yeah, there definitely is that point in the story where it breaks almost the realism of it and becomes surreal. And I do like that little bit of element of kind of fantasy-esque element in the story. So let's walk through this together. Opening line. Everybody's talking about hangovers. One of those midsummer Sundays. How did you take this line? I was like, wait a minute, my Sundays never happen like this because I'm doing laundry <laughs> and grocery shopping. <laughs> So I'm this too busy in, adulting. <laughs> if you're having a midsummer Sunday, you're maybe a different class bracket. Uh, you know, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing adult wise? Why aren't you at church? So there's a lot of, you know, why aren't you doing these other things? And why are you able to do this fun stuff on, you know, a, a nice, beautiful Sunday? Because I definitely don't get that. Well, I think it gives you the hint. What's like, it was one of those. You know what I mean? Like you say that to someone who knows that idea. So the author is almost, or narrator, I should say, sorry, is kind of talking to us in the sense of, 
you know those days when you know you get drunk on Saturday, you just kind of wake up on Sunday. Like to me, this is meant to say that we all do this. Is kind of how it's pitched. Like this is how suburbia is around here, an upper class one, because we all have pools. <laughs> yeah, I think in this universe. Uh, that Nettie is kind of setting the standard for, isn't this how everybody's life is? And for me, that was like, okay, so we're looking at, you know, rich people's lives and how they're going to enjoy Sundays. And that is going to change throughout the story. And I like how he sets the tone and how it's going to break throughout the story. Now, something that stuck out to me was kind of in the opening when he slides down and, you know, hits the backside of Aphrodite. That felt very powerful to me. And it kind of resonated with me with the story. Like, I, I don't think Cheever is like, oh, hey, I'm trying to go for this big illusion here. But it definitely made me think because Aphrodite is, do you know what the god of? Love and beauty. Yeah. So to me, I took this as maybe love and beauty are either what Nettie's looking for or maybe is missing in his life. And much like the old Greek tales, they revolve around you know, um, a love interest, a, a woman of some sort, if it's a male protagonist. And same with this story, right? Because when he starts his journey, he names it after his wife, the Lucinda River, right? So just in the same way that these these Greek tales have these characters that are full of hubris and strength and young, so is Nettie, at least in the beginning of the story, right? Like he's full of energy. I'm going to swim eight miles to my house on this river named after my mother. He's kind of like, to me, going on like an odyssey, again, I'm not saying that Cheever was going for this illusion, but it it's there. 100%. I don't think you can deny that it's there with all the references to the Greek god and goddesses. I was really interested in the fact was Cheever going for this Odysseus journey, and was Nettie going to be a hero in the end somehow? Because we start to see this kind of break of reality, and it's a little bit, not disappointing, but interesting how he takes this story i don't know what what did you think about his adventure maybe it's a, a tragic comedy where i think i think you could look at this as a hero uh, a commentary on the hero the traditional hero because like we said he starts out strong and usually when you look at a lot of those greek tales there's fantastic villains don't get me wrong and, you know, the, the villains sometimes make the story but at the same time a lot of times what you realize by the end is the real villain was the hero themselves. They were their own downfall, their hubris, their Achilles heel. Like there's always something that the character has as a weakness and doesn't recognize. And this journey is all about a way to detect that. Nettie's journey is interesting in that it doesn't line up or correlate perfectly with a, a, a Greek journey, right? Because his is empty. It's superfluous, I guess. It, it There's no crucial treasure or he's not trying to slay the monster it's all artificial it, it, it his adventure is just has no real purpose he just wants to say hey i have this free sunday i'm not doing anything important i'm gonna see if i can get home by th swimming through all my neighbor's swimming pools and that's just is like kind of bonkers but it also does portray his level of unrealism in 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 life you know that's a great point because there is a lot of surrealism to this story and I think you've hit it on the head that I agree. Like, that's why I, I don't think this is meant to be some huge illusion because society is a big part of the story. You mentioned that he's literally going through their pools, but then you'll have comments where they say he swam a choppy crawl, breathing either with every other stroke or every fourth stroke and counting somewhere well in the back of his mind, the one, two, one, two of a flutter kick. 
it was not a serviceable stroke for long distances. But the domestication of swimming had saddled the sport with some customs, and in his part of the world, a crawl was customary. So here we're talking about doing this crawl and being forced to do it because it's like a custom of my area. And what we start to see is Nettie starts to kind of explore his society. You know, what is he being saddled with from a community? Because, you know, he's going to these different neighbors and sometimes they greet him literally with the exact same phrase. And he says hi to the bartender that he's seen literally a hundred times before because it was one of those midsummer Sundays, right? We see that he's got certain expectations or things that kind of are being put on him by society is one way that to also interpret the story. I was just going to say that for me, one thing that I thought was is that his expectations of the society's expectations is that this is going to boost his social standings and they're all going to revere him of, oh, wow, do you know what Nettie did? And it's going to be the, you know, water cooler talk of Nettie was able to swim all the way home from, you know, so-and-so's house eight miles through everybody's swimming pool. It's so crazy and cool. And he's, you know, going to be, you know, be able to, oh, yeah, I'm tough. I'm awesome. I'm the hero of the suburbia. It's it's very interesting, very funny. I, I thought it was comical. Well, it is funny to me, right? Because the first few have like kind of like that repetition spirit. And then we start getting out of the box a little bit where after going through, I think, three neighbors pools, he eventually gets to kind of like that public pool. And the public pool had these rules about, you know, oh, well, you got to shower first and, you know, things that these inconvenience netty that he didn't really want to do. And then he kind of like doesn't have his ID card or identity. And that kind of started to... I mean, at this point, you got to feel the the alcoholism spirit kind of increase where it's like the more he drinks, the more he parties, the more he falls into society standards, becomes a sheeple of society. He starts to lose his identity. He starts to lose his purpose, maybe his hero's journey in a sense. And he starts to kind of blend in even a little bit. And now he's got to like cross the road. And it's kind of it's kind of like that turning point I felt like for Nettie in the story. I think the turning point was the highway. Things kind of go down from there, and we start to see the fantasy crack. We start to see that, wait a minute, all these things that everybody's been telling me of, oh, I'm so sorry, Nettie, for your loss. I'm so sorry about you know, your children, Nettie. And mm-hmm. he's you know has these false memories, and he's like, what do you mean? And those things are starting to come back to light now as he's you know getting past the highway. And that was a very interesting scene with the highway because – he he himself is portraying it as this big thing, but you know, crossing a highway isn't that big a deal. And the only way he's able to do it is finally an old man who is going very slow allows him to pass the highway. And it wasn't some heroic journey or a heroic event as much as yeah. he thinks it in his mind. And that is definitely, a, for me, the focal shift of the story from positive to negative. Well, it's almost like this highway is kind of like the River Styx in Greek tales. Like this is the death moment, because if you remember, he starts out in the summer and we talked about kind of like it's supposed to be an afternoon swim. But then all of a sudden there's these notes of it being autumn. And what is autumn? Autumn is literally like we talk about being beautiful. It's literally the plants dying or going into a hibernating state. Uh, it's, It's the beautification of dressing up death in a sense. And that's at the same to your point. We're dressing up his memories, too. We're kind of seeing the 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 glitzy glamour side, but we're maybe kind of hiding the, oh, yeah, you had to borrow money to do this. Oh, by the way, 
I'm sorry to hear about your wife and kids. And it's just like, oh, we're dressing up things here. Uh, I, I kind of thought about it. I, I chuckled to myself because like, oh, this is kind of like the, uh, what's the guy that sleeps for like a thousand years or something, a hundred years? It's kind of like Rip that Van story. Like, yeah, he, he's like the suburban version of this, of like, has he been asleep this whole time? Does he have some, you know, memory problem? Like what's going on here of why it was supposed to be a few hours and now months have passed and like, is the guy eating places and sleeping places? Like, what is going on with this story? And we get that gut-wrenching end of, oh my God, he's lost his family. He's lost his house. He doesn't know what's going on with his life. On his way to losing these things, did you take, we talked about this being an immersion into society. Did you take any of this as a walk down memory lane where each neighbor is revealing parts of his identity to him in a sense? Like, uh, you know, we talked about the public pool and losing yourself to alcoholism and all the drinking and recognizing the bartender a hundred times. And then I was curious if you thought this way too, when he meets Eric, like the boyfriend or whatever, he was having surgery. He had the scars and the way they were described reminded me almost as um, like a liver surgery that I wonder if, if he also had a problem with alcoholism and that's why he couldn't drink maybe. And maybe that's, that's Nettie's downfall is He's escaping something? Is it society? Is it his wife? His kids? I don't know. But it it led me to believe he was escaping into alcoholism. Memory loss is definitely a complication of alcoholism. So maybe that's something that Nettie is an alcoholic and it cost him his marriage and his job and his life. And these people are trying to remind him of that because his brain is not fully functioning as yeah. he is not a trustworthy, you know, narrator-esque person from his from his vantage point as we're looking through his eyes we're not seeing reality and his neighbors are trying to remind of that and maybe bring him back a little bit and that's right. maybe one of the positive is that in suburban america your neighbors will look out for you and try to help you even though you may be a detriment to yourself you are your own worst enemy and our neighbors are sometimes the one that care and love for us the most yeah or at least we expect them to you had uh, sure <laughs> you had Shirley Adams who might have been a play on Shirley Temple I don't know, um, but she was the one that he probably had infidelity with I I don't a hundred percent know, but also the ones that you love might love you too much perhaps in this case because I think it sounded like a fling to him but she was more attached is the way I took it yeah and it's at this point in the story that we learned that his wife has left him. And maybe he is chasing, you know, after his wife or his past life. And, uh, you know, he just wants to get back to when life was better for him. Well, I will say this. I'm not going to let you get it. I'm not going to let you end this conversation here without bringing up the flowers. Because, you know, when flowers drop in a story, I'm they're not <laughs> they're not going to get by me. I'm going to bring it up. There's two. Flowers. I was waiting for it. I was waiting There's, for it. You knew I was going to do it. We've I got, did. I did. We've got chrysanthemums, which tell me by now you have at least. I mean, how many times have I brought this up? What do chrysanthemums mean? love well specifically specifically loyalty and love and of course there's you know the asian version with death and such but we're in america for the story now the <laughs> other story was the marigolds and i don't think we've talked about that one do you know what marigolds are sometimes used to represent oh describe their flowers to me maybe i can get it that way <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding just tell me <laughs> well we had the previous flowers was loyalty and love these are despaired love oh so you have the two sides of the coin in the same way that the story, perhaps two sides, right? We had the one side of the river sticks and the other side of the river sticks, the, the road where you had kind of the happiness and glee. And then you had the darkness and despair in the same way that we had two sides to uh, Nettie 
that we see as well. We have the netty that's old here at this point in time. We didn't even mention that it's now kind of winter all of a sudden. <laughs> but he's getting old. He's tired. He doesn't have the strength anymore. He's having to resort to a crawl because he can't conform to like society standards anymore. And then compare that to the beginning netty right, where he was strength and he was going on this quest for his wife and, and dedicating it to her. And it was a beautiful, life-giving summer. Oh, man, so heartbreaking. I, I, this story had me all over the place. Uh, there, there are parts of it that I thought were funny. Uh, when I, I read the synopsis, I was like, well, a guy's going to swim eight miles home through swimming pools? This, this has got to be a comedy. And it has touches of that, but it is definitely uh, one of those kind of Greek tragedy comedy-esque stories with a little bit of you know Americana sprinkled on it. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's worth a read. Yeah, I agree. And obviously, it is a lot of people's favorite story of all time. Like They'll cite this short story as their favorite. So what did you guys think of this short story? Did it resonate with you? Let us know what you thought all the different pools meant in this story. Did you think it represented all the different views of society, maybe a man chasing his past life? Or is there something else that we're completely missing? We'd love to hear from you down below. We're going to leave a playlist down below for other John Cheever talks. We appreciate you guys spending some time with us today and uh, look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Hit that subscribe button. Una out. Peace.